Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. I'm your co host, Ed Krasnick, my co host, Jennifer Kalari, coming along in just a moment. And we are the show that tries to turn mental health from a noun to a verb. That's right. It's a topic. We want it to be a practice. How about that? We're putting the funk in dysfunction since 1863. Won't you let us take you to dysfunky town? Come for the celebration. Stay for the fear of abandonment. This is what the show is about. It's the show that never ends. Jennifer's coming up. As I said, everything's coming up. We have an amazing show for you today. We have two guests, Robin Shipley and Sonia Dixon. Sonia Dixon and Robin Shipley. Who are they? They have started and and are doing this incredible agency, this incredible organization, Transitions Consulting. Transitions Consulting provides individual life plans and interactive group learning experiences for neurodiverse teens and young adults as they prepare for life beyond high school, whether going to college, entering into the workforce, or a more independent living situation. In addition, they offer school consultations, professional development opportunities, and parent workshops. It's all about neurodiversity today. It's all about different ways that we think about how our own brain works, and how other people's brain works, how we learn and how we communicate and how we take care of ourselves in the whole process. So that's what we're going to talk about on today's show. Today's show is sponsored by, I know you are, but what am I? It's a dysfunctional family coloring book. You can be silly and celebrate all the family dysfunction with all kinds of games you can use to be silly about all your most glorious, uncomfortable moments. Coloring pages like my sexist uncle, my controlling mother, my father is emotionally frozen, family pain picnic, resentment roundup, mental family vacation, create your own theme park, take a ride on the psychotherapy go round, enjoy the giant shame coaster, draw it out and talk it out with the new dysfunctional family coloring book. I know you are, but what am I? Now we always like to welcome listeners and viewers, no matter what emotional state you're in, Here are emotional shout outs. If you're using police tape to create boundaries in your own home, welcome. If you've become addicted to playing a singing bowl, welcome. If you would read a comic book about an aging monster with abdominal pain called Krampa, welcome. If your therapist was so bored with you that they ordered a pizza during your session, welcome. If your child has created a model of an unhappy family in a bottle, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. We're about to be joined by our guests who are Sonia Dixon and Robin Shipley. It's also time for the ninja of the neocortex, the soothsayer of the serotonin, the Raja of Resilience, Jennifer Kalari. Thank you, Ed. Those are new. Jennifer works a lot with the brain and with her clients. I don't relate to my brain hardly at all, which is why I have the issues I have. 
But I'm wondering, tell us a little bit about transitions and about what drew you to this work, both of you. And you can do it together. You can harmonize or we can start with, with Sonia and go, to, and go to Robin, whatever you want. Perfect. Wonderful. It's actually really interesting because both of us started off in the same field, right? We both went into psychology and then went, okay, well, what next? And for me, it was, I was in Montreal and started working in a school that was sort of labeled innovative, whatever that means at the time, with uh, young children with autism. And when Robin and I finally came across each other, it was across the IEP table in a school district. An IEP, Individualized Education Plan, for individuals who are in the school system and, and maybe struggling to respond to what we would consider to be the typical way of instruction. It was funny because I got this note from a parent saying, I'm bringing along my advocate. And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and I was on the other side of the table going, we got this. We've got a great program going. And so we sort of, Robin walks in and I thought, oh, her shoes look good. So she's probably going to be all right as the person on the opposite side. (laughs) They have a very high bar. (laughs) (laughs) But then we actually ended up realizing that our value system and our approach was really, really very, very similar. And it was all about what does the individual need and not preaching to each other about what the school says or what the rules are, or what the law is. It was just what does this particular individual that we were in this meeting for, we were both consulting at the time, Robin privately, and I was actually working for a school district in the South Bay. And what was really exciting, what morphed out of that was conversations and discussions. And eventually we decided, once we were transitioning out of the the school district, that there was nothing for young adults. We did all this work in the school district, Individuals were walking out of the school district really struggling to do what's next because it's one thing to prepare everybody for this life outside of school. But what happens if there's not many options outside of school? And so that's where we both went, all right, let's, let's not talk about the problem. Let's be part of the solution to the issue. And so we developed our company called Transitions with a Z with a butterfly in the back, just mm. uh, We'd had a couple of cocktails <laughs> and the S was taken. Yeah, the S was taken. So oh, okay. Now the real story. Okay. Yeah. And then we went, well, it is, life is like a Z, right? You start off, you think you got it right, and then you turn. So there you go. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. What is neurodiversity? Because a lot of people, they're going to think, is it a university? Is it what? I know what neuro is. I know what diversity is. We're putting them together. Are we in trouble? What are we doing? Well, we've always looked at it and talked about it. Is it really came up when a lot of our young adults were saying to us, listen, I've been labeled attention deficit. I've been labeled autism. I've been labeled this, this, this. And it doesn't mean anything to me. It hasn't helped me understand who I am. And they really brought up a good point. So we were sitting one day and we looked at all the different concepts that are out there about explaining a neurodiversity to Robin and I and to the young adults that we're working with is a way, a conceptual way to look at my brain may not respond and function in the way that I expect it or other people expect it to. I'm experiencing the world differently. I'm actually not responding in maybe a way that is it's, I'm expected to. And the idea behind the concept is, can we look at traditional diagnosis such as autism and dysgraphia and dyslexia and attention deficit and learning challenges, can we look at them through the prism of 
brain differences? And if we do, does that change the way that individual is one treated, two understands themselves and three is able to navigate the world and other people sort of understand them more? It's, it's not a new concept, but I think it's new in the vernacular of how we're discussing individuals who have been given a diagnosis. I think this is an amazing window into the discussion of what is the brain, how does it work, how do we learn, and what happens to the feelings and thoughts that we have about ourselves based on all of that. Jennifer. Yeah, no, I, I, first of all, I'm in love with what you're doing. This is fabulous. I'm kind of stuck on that still. It's really great. And when we work with kids too, I'm, sometimes labels are really important because sometimes the labels people come up with other than the label the child has is worse, lazy, spoiled, bored, whatever. But I think it's really important to understand that every child is different, right? And that's what you're really recognizing. And I, I was, as soon as you said that at 18, there's nothing, that's very true. Like services really drop off for families and, and for kids. And it's really tough out there for sure. So I love what you guys are doing. I also think you bring up a good point. It's both Robin and I have worked with individuals who lots of people might consider to be highly aggressive or highly non-functional, whatever the word is that's used. And to your point, we need diagnosis because they drive services and supports and understanding. But what we found when the young adult sort of morphs out of the school, they're sort of kind of lost actually, because who's out there to receive that individual in employment or services? And it tends to be that the individuals that we're working with found us because they'd either gone to college or they got out of high school and they've been told, if you do this, if you do this exam, if you do this work, then after high school, you'll get a job. And that's just actually not very accurate. And even after university, because what we found is this idea that are, are the young people we're looking for, working with, they want roadmaps, right? You tell me where to show up, A plus B equals C, I have this syllabus in my hand, but then once the syllabus is gone, then it's, they're left with, well, I really didn't learn anything that's going to help me function well in this world, feel successful, raise my confidence, which has brought us to creating Evolve, which is all about soft skills. That's what makes us successful in our lives. Yeah. I was going to say the fascinating thing is sometimes we have a, such a giggle with our young adults because we're like, you do realize this is emotional intelligence. You're learning about your sensory challenges. You're learning about why does somebody look at me an odd way when I say such and right. such? They'll be like, well, <laughs> if I say such and such, people go, I'm like, yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. probably. <laughs> but nobody's actually been honest and kind and compassionate and said, well, just so you know, when that occurs, because what happens is everybody's like, well, I'd, we shouldn't change an individual who's neurodiverse. We shouldn't. And we're not asking about, we're not talking about change. We're talking about awareness talking about you understanding why sometimes maybe when you're in the staff lounge and everyone's having a good old chat and you decide you want to read a book and ignore them, people might be like, oh, he's antisocial or she's whatever. You can get labels in a very different way and they're not attractive. Yes. So there's so many components to this work because the mental health aspect of it, you're talking about confidence, you're talking about communication skills, you're talking about how you listen to your own thoughts and feelings based on how people respond to you, how you respond to the outside world, 
you're dealing with families as well, which Jennifer does every every moment, and kids and people going into their lives. I mean, I, I think we're all neurodiverse. I think everyone has their own type of focus and their own framework, you know, and I think the more we go into this, the more we'll realize that we're more the same than we're We're not different. What about the aspects, you know, Jennifer and I always talk about how these feelings that you can, that can, can become strengths, they can become superpowers, they can become, you know, bridges to other things based on how you respond to them. So what about these gifts that come with neurodiversity. I was listening to a radio lab where they talked about the greatest inventors of the world are probably people who are neurodiverse. Right. I think what's exciting for Robin and I is we're working every year. So our program is 11 months long. And we always say to our young adults, that doesn't mean to say there's nothing after 11 months. You don't like, hey, let's do the 11 months and then you drop off the face of the earth. We're always like the, the support is ongoing. For our young adults, so much of it is they're starting to actually explore and get excited about who they are because they've spent so much time being told all the things that they're not great at and all the skill deficits they have and all the things that, well, you have to learn this in order to do this. And so I think the most exciting part of working with young adults day in, day out, who are very, very different from each other is that they actually start to get excited about their strengths and how those strengths actually could become real assets in the workplace. However, getting young adults employed in the workplace means that you've got to go to a group of individuals in the workplace and ask them to open their doors. <laughs> right. And there is a whole other That set takes of- a lot of strengths. <laughs> right. I-, I love all this. And I think It's interesting when I work with kids who have ADHD or learning disabilities, we like to give them kind of different labels and we come up with them together. So we like to, I like calling it like a Ferrari brain, right? And I explain to kids, you've got this amazing car, but if you don't know how to drive it, you're going to take the turn too sharply. You're going to end up in the ditch and the boring boring minivan is going to pass you and, and sort of helping them to see their gifts and that all kinds of different brains are important. We're just basically a giant organism. You need people who are nervous. You need people who are like, forget it, let's go for it. You need people who are gonna be you know, defending. You need people who are healing. And, and together we all make this amazing, amazing organism. And I think that's what I'm hearing from what you're doing and I'm in love with it. It's awesome. And that's how when we approach employers. Okay, so you're in the marketplace of approaching employers. Let me be an employer now. Instead of explaining what you do, I'm going to be an employer and you're telling me what you want from my business. Let's say I'm a guy at NBC and you want to come in and you're, we're going to be doing TV shows, development, we're going to be working with production assistants. First of all, I've got enough trouble in my organization. Nobody communicates well here anyway, right? All people have all kinds of issues. What's going to happen when you start bringing these people in? Well, the first thing you have to do is say, yes, we've got a committee for that. Yes. <laughs> and we'll get back to it in four weeks. <laughs> and they are called, right? No, we're, just yeah. we're just kidding. It's true. Robin's the pitch person. So Robin did a pitch actually recently. So go on, pitch. No, I, I didn't know. Well, well, Robin, I'm just saying like role play, like, like I'm sure that you do this with your kids. I'm sure you do. You, you practice it, right? You yeah. have to figure it out. We practice and, you know, it's really going into um, companies overall, whether it's universal or it's, you know, anywhere and being able to say that 
we know that people are committed to inclusion, diversity, equity. So it's the idea of opening up to think of it in a different way and expand or expanding your version. Because when we think typically about diversity, what do we think about? Color. Okay. Gender. Right. Those are what we typically think about. So we're saying is that what we're really about, why do you want to expand your diverse, why do you want to expand your workforce, right? To, for inclusion and equity and diversity, because you want to represent society. You want a well representation of it. So neurodiversity is just another area that we need to be looking at and including. It's all the same thing. It strikes me as very, it's very interesting and it's very, I understand it, but it's very odd that one of the most segregated areas is diversity. It's very segregated. There's BIPOC, there's Latinx, there's LGBTQ, there's neurodiversity, there's all these things, but it's not one group. It should be one group. Everybody has certain needs within that group. However, the, oh, the umbrella is diversity and including people. It's fascinating because so many people, they look at neurodiversity or neurodivergent individuals. Are, are they capable? Can they handle? Can they manage? Can they understand the demands of the workforce? And so I think that's where neurodivergent individuals struggle a little bit more when it comes to accessing the idea of equity and inclusion, because people are questioning their fundamental capacity to be able to function in an employment setting. And it's interesting because it's happening. And what Robin and I are often talking to people about is, well, it depends what your expectations are of the individual in the work setting. So if you expect a typical employee who's going to come in and socialize in the lounge and you know, maybe remember things without having to write them down and maybe their time management's beautiful or whatever it is, then no, you, you're, you're going to sometimes maybe not be as open as you need to be to the individual who's neurodivergent who can do the job, can do the skills, but it may look different. They may get there differently. It may be a different path. You may have to do a few other adjustments and supports in order for that person to succeed. But does that mean they don't get that opportunity? Because that opportunity is all about whether you can actually expand your mindset yeah. and expand your own open acceptance of what does it mean to be diverse. And I think sometimes when you challenge people on that, it's harder because then you ask them, well, what are you saying no to? What are you scared of? What are you intimidated by, really? And you really, know? it's communicates communication and your own discomfort, your own discomfort with your own self and your own stuff sometimes and not being okay with not knowing. You know, we don't know. We don't know. Exactly. And that's okay, right? I think that's okay. I think so much of the time, Robin and I try so hard to make sure that the individuals that we're talking to are not feeling judged or feeling like we're coming in going, what do you mean you've never heard of a neurodivergent individual? We're often saying, well, talk to us a little bit about what your perception may be, what your perspective is. And I think through conversation, it's always been really amazing to Robin and I how people shift their paradigm when they get more comfortable with their own sense of self. Or, or so many times when people say, yes, it's a particular type of person, they're usually much more open-minded, much more curious, actually, to mm. be honest. 
Right. I think that curiosity, I love that you said yeah. that because that is what drives and that we've had, um, as Sonia was saying, really amazing relationships with companies. And it's usually an individual who maybe has a personal experience or does not, but is curious and wants to, and has said to us, tell me how to do this because I don't have any idea. Give me the information and let's take this on. And that's what's been excited, you know, exciting for us because Sonia and I go, we just want to yes. Someone say yes to us. We're okay. We will open that door. We'll walk through. We will show you. Just say yes. Yeah. Well, saying yes is a big part of, of it all the way around. That's why everybody needs to do improv and go and have improv skills. You have to say yes. Jennifer, what when you're listening to this, I mean, you work with kids all day long and people who, I mean, how do you introduce kids and families to issues like neurodiversity? Well, it's interesting because I often think that parents know, especially mamas, they just kind of know and they know early Um, and they'll hear different things from teachers. Oh, your child is, you know, misbehaving or they're, you know, they're just being spoiled. And and they can hear really negative things sometimes. Parents often know there's something else going on. And I think that's really important to, to listen to the parents and I think, you know, when we have work with kids that, that are, let's say, have attention deficit disorder, I like to call those kids gladiators. Like they, they just, they're, they're literally, they have so many strengths. In fact, if you look at some of the most successful people in the world, it, right. they have ADHD because they're like, what doors? Like what box? <laughs> I, don't, I don't see a box. And they have energy and they can hyper-focus and they're exciting. And, it's, and there's so much time spent when they're little, sit down, put that down, cut it out. What are you doing? like that messaging is constant in their brain. And so sometimes they'll get teachers who are just wonderful and get them and celebrate. And that kind of child will have a fantastic year that year. You can have the same child, different teacher the next year, and it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. So what I'm excited about when I'm listening to this, I'm actually thinking about clients. that I think are <laughs> I'm just thinking there is such a gap. There really is. There's, and there's, there's still probably not enough supports, even for younger kids. Yeah. You know, parents also really struggle and they feel very blamed and they sort of, they, they see these things right away as, is it my fault? Have I done something? Could I do something differently? And to support and celebrate your child when they're, when the world tells them they're different is really hard. It's very damaging, isn't it? Also, because a lot of the time, our young adults, the one thing we'll ask them, well, what did you get from Evolve? And we expect this, you know, we have this very intense curriculum, whatever, and they'll be like self-confidence. Well, and one of the hardest things too, especially with learning disabilities, it, where you kind of, you're put in a, in a situation every single day where you know how you get things and you know how smart you innately are, but you can't prove it to anybody because the way that it's measured is so standardized for a very specific type of brain and all the things that they're really good at, they can't demonstrate to the teacher. And then they have anxiety, which is usually coupling a lot of these things. So that to, for, for someone to develop that self-confidence, to know themselves and to be able to advocate for themselves, which it sounds like you're also bringing that ability for them to. That's it. We say, if you can get to a place where you're comfortable with you, you're comfortable with your brain, you're self-aware enough to realize maybe how others see you and you see yourself, it's going to help you so much. Like one of the comments from one of our young adults was my biggest advice to somebody coming in to evolve, she said, would be to give someone is to stay positive, assert yourself. And whenever you need help, don't be afraid to ask. And to me, that's beautiful. She's already letting us know, look, assertive communication and understanding yourself free you in a way, you know? 
when you're don't be afraid to ask for help. How would the workplace be different if people literally asked for help when they needed it? Or how would your life be different if you asked for help when you needed it? Or if you said, give me a minute, or if you said, I need more time, or, you know, I need a little bit of space and I'll come back to you. I mean, these are things that people don't do is that we're not taught to do these things. There's something wrong with us. It takes courage and bravery to do it because you're afraid of the reaction you're going to, why don't you know? You should, I told you already. It's so lovely when kids can learn how to do that and doors do open when they're brave enough to do it. You have to understand that not everybody has active listening skills Mm -hmm. and empathy and compassion. And so we had one young woman who was a production assistant on a really cool show and everybody was lovely. And she had this one um, boss supervisor who really, really get excited and very intense and yell at people on the set and everything. And one day she was on the phone to me. She said, you know what? This, this boss of mine does not have EQ, Sonia. Her EQ is really low. I just want you to know that. I think she needs time at Evolve. It's ridiculous. She's not self-aware. She's not self-managing her emotions. She's not aware of how she's treating people. She doesn't understand how it affects you. And I was like, well, apparently you know. So that's all I care about. Exactly. What an advocate you created there. Yeah. Yeah. Social skills. A lot of people don't ever catch up with them because they never understand that that they might need it to do things a little bit differently. So if I'm somebody who doesn't read social cues very well, how do I practice that? It's a tough one because, again, we always talk about the traditional sort of social groups and, and social nuances that most of our young adults have gone through in school. Unfortunately, by the time they get into the adult world, even though, don't get me wrong, reciprocal conversation and greetings and all that, they're all really, really important. But what's more important is for our young adults to understand where socializing is difficult and where it's not. And so that they're much more able to say to people in the workplace, here's where I'm good and here's where I need some help. And honestly, if you ask me to a staff party, I might say yes, but it's also very overwhelming for me. So we're working with our young adults on being really clear about where their social confidence is, where they feel like it causes them loads of anxiety and it's overwhelming and they're shutting down and being able to feel comfortable saying that. So we have a couple of young adults now who are research assistants up at the Samuel Institute at um, UCLA. And it was wonderful. One of them was like, okay. She did her check-in and she was like, okay, Sonia, I've been invited to a potluck staff party. Oh my gosh. This was like, oh, are you kidding me? I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And so she said, so here's my plan. I'm going to go in. I'm going to talk to three people. I'm going to respond to people when they ask me questions. But then I've got to figure out where I can take my breaks because it's socially fatiguing to me and neurologically fatiguing for me to sustain conversation at that level. So what do you think of my plan? I was like, good plan. Go for it. Can you imagine? We talk about that all the time, Jennifer, about social anxiety, social anxiety, social and making a plan. Absolutely. Have a plan and and taking those breaks and having a rest. Hugely important. I'm remembering years ago, this has got to be 30 years ago. I worked in an agency and one of the psychologists there was on the spectrum. She would walk past people and never say hello. People would be, oh, that's so rude. And I remember her just gently, and this is a long time ago, just saying, you know what? I miss cues sometimes. I'm in my own head sometimes. I don't always say hello. And what was so interesting about that, at least for me, 
is it was so relaxing to walk past her in the hall and not have to say hello, right? Like to, to go, <laughs> how are you? How's the weather? Because I hate that stuff too. I hate small talk. So we and I loved her. We we had a great relationship. But she never said hello goodbye on the phone either. She was like, okay, this is what we have to do. This is what we're dealing with. She got right to the point. I'm like, okay, click. It was fabulous. If you know the context, if you understand, and you don't get offended, and you don't get upset, and you don't take it personally, and you just learn to see their their zone of genius and what they're great at, it can be so freeing. It can be so wonderful. It levels the playing field because it gives us, everybody's can be more honest, you know, just about this is what I do well, this is what I don't do well. Yeah. And don't make, you're not making assumptions, right? right? Everything's out on the table, which is so well, nice. Also, Jennifer, I'm sure you've come across this, but so many of our guys have been part of very prescriptive programs. If this happens, you say this. Yes. If it happens, then you say this. And, and it's very it, didactic and very learned and very practiced, yeah. And the trouble with that is when it doesn't, when it doesn't work in every situation where it's something slightly off. It's like right, a right, job interview skill. You can't yeah. do a script for an interview skill because then the person asking the question flips the question and then all of a sudden it's a mess. Yeah. We always say to our guys, just really love what social skills you can work on. Understand what social skills are expected of you because once you understand that, you can understand why people might have certain reactions to you. So much of our course evolve is not just teaching the individual who's neurodivergent what to expect out into the workforce, but it's also teaching them why, the rationale behind what's expected. If we think of physical fitness, we know that we practice, we have exercises, there are things that we do. Do you do that with the people that you work with where you say, okay, here's the scenario. You just came into a party. There's five people over here. I'm going to be somebody who gets in your face. What that's, do we do? That's our whole course. Yeah. Okay. It's realistic situations. Yeah, great. A chance to experience it. But the other part is because part of our program is an internship in a live, uh, you know, work setting based on what our young adults want to do. They get an opportunity to be able to actually get realistic feedback and experience what it's like to work with job coaches. So we're there to be able to support them. And they're still in our program. So they get to come back to us and go, oh my gosh, the situation that just happened yesterday. And we all get to talk about it and laugh about it and break it down. And people go, yes, me too. So it's a really beautiful combination of the courses like Sonia's talking about, and then they get a chance to try it out in a safe environment in a job. An internship. Absolutely amazing. It's amazing. And I, and I, I know there are people out there when kids are younger trying to do this, but there really is a huge gap. There really, really is. This is huge. And just so you know, Jennifer, what we always say, and Ed, I'm sure, because I know you talk a lot about parenting. We often say to parents, when the young adults come into our program, we go, you've done your job. You're lovely. We adore you. But actually our program is for young adults. So you can sit back, have a cup of coffee, chill out. And we want you as parents to know right now you've done what you needed to do and we've got to work with the young adults. So sometimes they'll email us and whatever, and we'll be like, hold on a second. The young adult's going to need to learn how to do that email. So thank you so much for emailing us. But we'll work with Johnny, James, Jimmy, and we'll work with them on how to professionally email us and whatever. And you know what? By about month two, we don't hear a peep from any parent. (laughs) 
Oh, they probably take a vacation. They're relaxing yeah. for the first time in their lives. Oh, that's how it should be. That's fantastic. And from a parenting point of view, because I work with parents, it's funny when parents have little kids and they hear about kids that are 18 and 20 and 22. And you're a young parent, you think, oh, it'll feel different by then. I won't worry about them as much by then. It'll be, it's no, you worry just as much when they're 18, 22, 25, 30. And so knowing that there's a place where these kids can learn these skills on their own, because I mean, all kids, this is almost all kids. As soon as parents start saying it, it's like, oh, what? I'm not listening to you. So kids always learn better. Even young adults learn better when it's someone they have a relationship with. And when they have that sovereignty and that autonomy, people, they, they don't always listen to their parents. And that's the way it should be, actually. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Think, I think the thing about a lot of the, a lot of this, too, and I think I uh, go back to the show Love on the Spectrum. And I think what's so great about that show and what's so great about watching these people is that they are 100 percent honest. And because they're honest, they're actually teaching you about what they're experiencing as they're experiencing it. And I think that most people are not able to do that or don't do not have practice doing that. So this is how we can learn. We can learn from from people shouting out, saying what they're experiencing while they're experiencing it. I think that's a very valuable gift. I learned more about dating and relationships from Love on the Spectrum than I did from 40 years of relationships because those people are going on dates and they be, they are being honest about what they're experiencing. Now they may not be dip, they may not have the diplomacy skills or the nuances of it, but it's such a pleasure to hear people being honest. Yeah. That hurt me. I was upset by that. Yeah. That was a problem for me. Sure. These are this is like an antidote to like all the crap that you put on yourself. Right. Yeah, cuz think about the anxiety that our young adults talk so much to us about OCD, anxiety, comorbid conditions, how much their anxiety plays into every aspect of their life. Mm -hmm. um, and we always talk about how much of that is as a result of the way you've been treated by neurotypical individuals or people who think they're neurotypical in not really getting to know and understand who you are. I mean, sometimes our young adults are telling us stuff that happened in school that you're just like, are you kidding me? That you survived that. I mean, the resiliency to, to have be told that you're weird and strange and you should have learned it the first time and what's up with you and, and, yep. and bullying and all the stuff that our young adults talk to us about. But in Evolve, they're given a chance to leave that behind. We always start every morning with mindfulness. We always say, just honor your thoughts and think about them, but let's give ourselves a chance to have a day each day that's just new and refreshing. And so, so much of Evolve is about building back up neurodivergent individuals who've just been broken down, really. I mean, I know that sounds very dramatic. It, no, it is not dramatic at all. There's a lot of trauma that's carried through right? their life. Absolutely. And not just from other kids, but from teachers and other adults and relatives, family members yeah, right. yeah. who don't understand. Yeah. And the people perpetrating it on the other side, whether they're doing it purposeful, purposely or not, because they're just unconscious about what the other person needs, they're going through their own trauma and their trauma is they don't understand their emotions. Yeah. Right. So it's everybody can experience this. There should be oh, a chain of pain, chain <laughs> of pain <laughs> which is which is Jennifer's new song that she's recording yeah. with A&M <laughs> Records, Chain of Pain. Now, third, we'll be your backup singers. 
you know what's what's most refreshing honestly for us is the young adults come in and they're prepared to give it a go once they get through the first two weeks with us where they throw all kinds of stuff at us just to see if we're actually as nice as they think we might be yeah it's yeah. so funny because our young adults are sometimes like okay what's going what's going on here this is just too we'll be like do you want a cup of hot chocolate uh, what do I have to do for that? Uh, nothing. <laughs> hot chocolate. Right. Or they'll be like, are you always going to be like this? Well, uh, there's only one of it. I mean, it's really sad in a way, but it's also funny because now we'll laugh about it with them and go, because now the, the current cohort are like six months in and we're like, guys, we're still here. Still saying the same thing. Still buying your donuts on Thursdays. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, what's beautiful too is um, to watch the relationships develop between between each other because they're meeting people like them who've gone through the same kind of trauma mm -hmm. who's gone through the same you know type of experiences maybe different here and there and so they get a chance to share their feelings and feel safe about it like we always talk about this is a safe psychologically safe environment and for them to be able to say those words themselves i'm trust learning what someone said just the other day i'm learning to trust this is psychologically safe it's heartbreaking to think that, that they can experience, but how beautiful that they can start to learn what is safe for me. Well, what you're saying, though, it's like you're saying it. Neurodivergent people don't know what's safe for them. They're not conscious of it. They're not. Most people aren't aware of that or or, or calling it out. This feels safe for me. You ever hear anybody say that? I've, I haven't heard anybody say that in my life. Like, Neurotypical people. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Neurotypical people don't we don't have this this language and we need it. Yes. Yeah, we do, because it's it it makes all the difference in our relationships. Right. Like you were talking about just being honest. This feels safe for me. This feels OK for me. Do you know what powerful statements those are? Being able to say that in your life to one person, that's an amazing statement. You guys are do, you're doing such amazing work. I want to, before we close, I want to look, I want to see if I can do this. I'm going to put up a screenshot of some quotes that people who went through your program have. It's from your actual website. Is it okay to show it? Of course yeah. it is. Okay. We like good quotes. Good quotes. Okay. I'm going to share my screen. Hang on. This is, I'm not good at this and I don't feel safe with it either, but, but I am going to do it. There we go. Hang on, everybody. Here we go. Okay. So these are quotes. So currently in a paid internship and applying for a position, this is a person in your, in your program. My personal goal for my time at Evolve was to work on my affect communication and eye contact. Affect is important for a job. If you look mad all the time, you won't be approachable. Communication is important for a job because letting people know who you work with when you're done with a task, eye contact is important because it shows that you care about what the speaker has to say. What I got from my experience, my eye contact has gotten a lot better as well as my communication. I have an internship that I really enjoy and I would like to work there. Is that young man, by the way, was offered a job and he's doing beautifully and he loves it. Having a job changes your life, right? Because it opened up his whole world. So mm. it wasn't easy. He'd lived his life in his glasses, that particular guy. He'd wear sunglasses all the time because it was scary to take them off. So it was wonderful to see that. You're changing people's lives. And then I imagine and tell me if this is happening, they go on to mentor other people. Is that yeah, happening? Right. 
Yeah, our young adults actually really, well, first of all, they're really agents of their own change in the sense that they walk into these workplaces and they're very comfortable and very confident in express, expressing who they are as a neurodivergent individual and explaining that to their coworkers and managers. And so it establishes a really good, like a really lovely, lovely relationship and rapport. You know, we've also had young adults who said to us, just having the confidence to know it's okay with who I am. And it's not deficit, it's not a deficit model. It's a strength model. Also showing compassion. We talk a lot about them showing compassion to themselves because a lot of our young adults have spent a lot of time in negativity and internal negative thoughts. And so battling that takes up an awful lot of their time. So if they can show a little bit of compassion to themselves. We have compliment Thursday where they have to give themselves a compliment. And it is excruciating yes. to watch at first. The young adults try and find themselves a compliment. Yeah. But as the program goes on, they give a compliment to themselves and then to somebody else. And it means the world, right? To acknowledge who you are and your strengths and what you're capable of. So. And to recognize that our brains are not fixed, that they love the concept of neuroplasticity. That was so exciting. It's so exciting. The idea that they have control over changing their brains. And we always show evidence, like we say every month, we're just stop and go. I want you to stop and look at what you, what was hard before a month ago, which isn't now. That's amazing. You know, what I love about your program is it's changing beliefs, but it's real world experience. We're going after a job. We're going after a goal. We're working. We're integrating into the world. We're working on all of these issues at the same time. And it's like a life workshop. You get to workshop your life. And that's that's like a, an amazing uh, gift, an amazing thing that you're doing. Give us information about where they find out more. If parents are listening, if schools are listening, whoever's listening and watching, where do they go to find out more and to contact you? Well, what's really exciting is Robin and I always wanted this program to be equitable and accessible to all. So it's vended through the regional center and it's at no cost. If you are a member of the regional center, we're actually vended from Harbor Regional Regional Center. So if you are a client of the regional center, you can access this service. Obviously there's an intake and there's a whole, and remember we're a small program. Um, and we've chosen that because getting companies, it's not the young adults, they get ready and work. It's getting companies to say yes, to taking an intern and offering employment. Through your regional center, look online. We do take some private clients and we do have a couple of private clients who come in the afternoon and, or in the morning and and, and also work with us individually just on their life goals and their employment goals. Our website is the best place to find us. Transitionsconsulting.org. T-R-A-N-Z, with a Z, <laughs> I-T-I-O-N-S, consulting.org. Okay. And so employers, if you're listening, if you're a human resources person, if you're somebody with a company, if you're somebody with a startup. Yes. And you want the most dedicated, amazing, motivated, interesting, neurodiverse, emotionally, emotionally intelligent, intelligent young people um, with incredible work ethic. Please contact us. I love everything that I've heard. I, I think it's fantastic. And if they need resources, if people, because sometimes parents are out there and they're just, if you need resources, you're watching a program, you're listening to a program, it covers the entire life cycle right now. You're listening to connectedparenting.com. 
So between those two organizations, Jennifer, her media classes, services, network of support is incredible. If you're a parent that's looking for help for your child or for your family, or just to get better skills, you can go to connectedparenting.com. You can contact Jennifer. Or if you have kids or families that are trying to help their kids get into the world, get into the job world, further their careers, further their lives, you go to transitions.com. I think we've solved it all for people. I think this is it. Just just a little note, go to transitions.org. That's .org, it. yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate Jennifer, you're just a gem. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely. Thank you so much for being on our show. This is really wonderful. And you'll probably getting, be getting people from my organization. So wonderful. It's such an important service. Thank you. Thank you. An absolute pleasure. I'm going to thank Amber Tozer a million times for connecting me with you, as I've already told her 500 times. Sonia Driscoll and Robin Shipley. That's it. Sonia Dixon, Robin Robin Shipley, Shipley. transitions.org. Transitionsconsulting.org. Okay. Fantastic. And I want to say one thing before you go, we're all on the spectrum, but I want to say that we're all in this together. We're all connected. Okay. Thank okay. you. All right. Bye. Take Bye. care. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Well, that's our show for today and for tonight and for this afternoon and this whole year. I want to thank you for listening. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can get all the show notes and all the information about all of our guests at makelightmedia.com. That's makelight, M-A-K-E-L-I-G-H-T.com. We'll have another show, a brand new show for you next week. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Live it up. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.